We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast coming to you live on a Monday on a Martin Luther King Day. So uh, happy uh, holiday to those who are honoring Mr. or Dr. King, I should say today. Um, you know, happy to uh, honor him in, in some capacity today. So I uh, have a lot to get into today. Joining me, as always, is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Steven, what's up, dude? It's Monday morning. Uh, not usually recording on a Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Not used to that. It's very different, but happy to be here. Happy to be talking about uh, Jim Harbaugh today, potentially. Yes. Uh, he's going to be in the building today. It is a thing that is going to happen, but will the Chargers prevail? But the Broncos and Vikings did not. We'll see. Yeah, uh, lots of lots of chatter about that. Obviously, today we'll, we'll dive into some of our thoughts there. Um, some quick thoughts on the GM search as well. Um, and then we're going to officially start diving into some of our planned offseason content. Um, to me, priority number one for whoever the new GM is, is deciding what to do with uh, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. I think that is the rightful place to start. And so today we are going to be discussing whether the Chargers should keep, cut, or trade one of those two players or both of those two players and everything that is going into that. Um, like Tyler mentioned, the Chargers are discussing or interviewing. I don't even know if it's called if it's a really a formal interview as much as a discussion at this point. Uh, but Jim Harbaugh will be in the building today. Uh, you know, for there's a lot of uh conversations to be had about this, but just to clarify again, the Chargers have not satisfied the Rooney rule. Um, the new requirement laid out by the league is that they have to interview at least two minority candidates in person. Uh, they interviewed Leslie Frazier yesterday. That's one. There's been some speculation about Patrick Graham because the team plane was reportedly in Las Vegas. That is not 
going to count as an in-person interview. Uh, Daniel Popper reported that that was done virtually. Um, that was not done in person, despite the Chargers playing being in Las Vegas. So they still have to do that part of the interview. Adam Schefter and Diana Rossini reported that uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to weigh his options after that interview today with the Chargers. I read that as he's going to give the University of Michigan a chance to respond to the Chargers offer. So that's the intel right now. Um, for those questioning about Steve Wilkes or, or another minority candidate that the Chargers may have interviewed, none of the none of the candidates who are currently employed by an NFL team can be interviewed in person until after the divisional round. So on Monday, theoretically, the Chargers could interview one other candidate and then hire Jim Harbaugh. But they cannot hire Jim Harbaugh until the Rooney rule is satisfied. Technically speaking, they could but I don't think that it would be smart business or good business by the Chargers to incur that kind of fine, draft picks, punishment, whatever the case may be, as you're trying to turn a new page. So wanted to clarify that. I know there's been a lot of confusion about things. I've been confused about this as well. I've messaged 10, 12 people uh, about this specific rule. The NFL website has not done us any favors because they have not updated their policy. But the updated policy is two minority candidates in person and any candidate who is currently employed by an NFL team cannot be interviewed until Monday morning after the division round. And that includes teams who are not in the playoffs or who have been eliminated by in the playoffs. That was my next question. I saw that one from Brandon <laughs> about that. So that was my next question. Yeah, I, at this point, I was confused about the Rooney rule and the requirements and the timelines and the thing. Yeah. So. Um, all good. You know, it'll, it'll all get worked out in the end, regardless of whoever they hired, however they hire, whatever. Um, you know, it'll happen at some point. I know people want it to happen today, but if it happens in a week, hey, no problem. Yeah. So, like I said, they they can certainly make progress towards the deal with Jim Harbaugh today. Um, you know, we were going to do like a, a, a six questions for Jim Harbaugh show that we we never got to because there's been so much smoke about everything. Um, hopefully there are some questions that they are able to ask Jim Harbaugh today that, that we would like to have answered regarding his candidacy. So we can dive into some of that now, but, um, they're meeting with him today. This is obviously a huge step. Um, what's your take on the chargers being the only team right now to actually meet with Jim Harbaugh? I think it's smart. I think in, in sports, if you're competing in interviews, you either want to go first or last, right? You want to be the first one in the building for the first impression. And everyone else has to beat you, or maybe you want to go last and be the last thing that the judges see or whatever. In this case, I think that's smart. The Chargers are going first, and maybe they're the only team, but they're the ones that, hey, the second you're free, we are free. We're doing nothing else today. But GMs, you know, Sunday, we'll do talk about GMs on Wednesday. Today's Jim Harbaugh day. So we're open for you. We're the first ones available. Come and hang out with us. I think that's brilliant by the team to be like, listen, we're going to get you in the building now, ASAP. We're going to throw you a pitch that nobody else can beat. By the way, here's Justin Herbert. Feel free to go to another team and see another quarterback. Not that Herbert's going to be there, but you know, yeah, the first ones. And I think that's really smart by the team. So good for the team for getting a lot of interviews out of the way or going through a lot of different candidates and a lot of GM candidates. They've talked to guys with Harbaugh connections, whether Jim or John. That, oh, by the way, tomorrow we're meeting with Ed Dodd. So it's just smart by the Chargers to say, hey, we've done our homework. 
We've met with GMs that would totally work with you or work with yeah. your brother. And here you are, our day is free for you. I think it's really smart by them. I think it is really smart by them. And I think it, it's significant from a Harbaugh standpoint because I can't imagine him going there in person if the interest was not real. If it was just kind of like, uh, like I don't know, I like Justin Herbert, but I'm not too sure about living in Los Angeles or, or whatever the case may be. For what it's worth, I've told his wife wants to move to Los Angeles. Um, but it, it, the interest is real from Jim Harbaugh. He was uh, Adam Schefter was on a certain talk show today talking about how the Chargers want Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh wants the Chargers. And this is an indication of real interest from Jim Harbaugh. Now, obviously, it becomes about closing the deal. It becomes about, you know, hammering out the details. It becomes about what does Michigan, what is Michigan's response to this um, offer from Jim, from the Chargers to Jim Harbaugh. And I, I think this is the most interested Jim Harbaugh has been in an NFL job. I, I think he was interested in the Broncos and was interested in the Vikings. I don't think it ever really got to this kind of point where he was strongly going to consider taking the job. That's just my my assumption. I don't have any sources there or anything like that. Um, that's just kind of my read on the situation. Um, and, and I think this is potentially the final step to getting things done. We'll see. Um, but like you said, it is Jim Harbaugh day today in Los Angeles. Yeah. So as Ryan asked about the Broncos job and the Vikings job, I, I could be wrong, but just sorting through the different articles and things that came out, it's tough to go back to two years ago and a year ago and see what was true, what was not. But it seemed like with the Vikings job, he got there and realized the Vikings weren't as serious as he had hoped. Yeah. And there wasn't that mutual interest. So I actually think he would have taken that job if the Vikings were more serious, it seemed. Yeah. But the Broncos job, it seemed like the Broncos were more serious. And clearly they would do a lot for a head coach. They went and got Sean Payton. Uh, but it didn't seem like Harbaugh was as interested. So yeah, this is fair. really... the. This is the one that really feels like both sides are interested. Both have a lot to offer. It is perfect timing. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I think this is really going to happen. Yeah. Um, regarding the GM search here, I, I think it's very apparent, like the message that they're sending. Now, all of these guys are independently good candidates. We've talked about all of them. Ian Cunningham was number three for me. I think he was second for you um, for most of the media members talking about the GM candidates, Ian Cunningham was second right behind Adam Peters. Uh, so these guys are objectively good candidates, but they're all also good candidates who have a connection or a tie to Jim Harbaugh. So it, it's it's really well done by the Chargers here. Um, they will interview Ed Dodds. I believe that's on Wednesday, not tomorrow for what it's worth. Um, they have also requested to interview Jeff King. Um, I think, did they ever officially request uh, Ray Agnew or no? I don't think there's ever – I don't know if another team has requested Ray Agnew. I haven't heard much from him. Okay. Let me do a quick search on that. But as of now, Jeff King is the only te- only candidate that's going to speak to the Chargers that does not have a connection or tie to Jim Harbaugh that we know of. We didn't know of Brandon Brown's connection until Albert Breer went and spoke about it. So guys can certainly be connected without having like a direct working relationship. But – you have some great GM candidates who you have interviewed, who you will interview, um, and that hire could come first. I think we could see that you know come together in the next couple of days here. I think it, it would be smart for them to wait to speak to, to Ed Dodds because he is um, the one who has a direct tie. like He has a working relationship with Jim Harbaugh, so I think you definitely want to get that done. He's considered a favorite for the Raider job, so 
he's going to have a decision to make there. But um, I think the GM job happens this week. And then on Monday, they finish up their head coaching search. And if Jim Harbaugh is hired, it would be on Monday, not today as much as, as all of us would like to see <laughs> this uh, wrapped up. But they, they literally cannot wrap up the coaching search until next Monday. Yeah, I love the GM candidates they've interviewed so far, some more than others. We've kind of giggled at some of them and their stories and their Wikipedia pages <laughs> on our most recent episode, but just rolling out with Cunningham. Of course, they didn't get Peters. Picks, you know, Peters goes to the Washington job. Understandable. That is a good opening. Um, but having Dodds, your number two, my number three, and then Cunningham, my number two, your number three, as two A, strong options, and B, options tied to Harbaugh's in the building today. I think is awesome. As someone was messaging or talking to me on on social media about it. Does hiring Harbaugh make the job less attractive for a GM? I think it just kind of depends. If you want your whole show, which I think like an Adam Peters definitely would have wanted, given that he had so much security and a title and everything waiting for him in San Francisco if he stayed. I think that he wouldn't really prefer the Chargers, and obviously he took the Washington job. But I feel like for other GMs, and not not the same case for everybody, but Harbaugh is security, Herbert is security. Yeah. Frankly, being on a good team eventually, maybe this year or the next or whatever, is security. And the Chargers kept Tom Telesco for 11 years. Yeah. So I think that overall, you're, you're feeling good about it. I don't think Harbaugh deters every candidate. Some, but not all. And I think someone like Cunningham, someone like Dodds would be have no problem over here. Yeah, GM jobs are generally much longer term than head coaching jobs. Like it, it, it is possible. And I think likely that Jim Harbaugh, if he's the coach leaves before the GM, like uh, I think most GM candidates stick around for, you know, 10, 11, 12 years, because it, it's generally a job that's kind of more considered long-term, you know, the, the chargers are going to have to take some loans financially this year. And so there, there's a little, a little bit more leeway in that regard. It's why guys like Ian Cunningham, Adam Peters are assistant GMs for so long because it's just they don't the jobs don't come up open as often. You know, there's eight head coaching openings this year, potentially a couple others, depending on what happens in Dallas and Philadelphia. Um, it feels like every year there's at least five head coaching openings when there's like two or three GM openings like tops. So the GM job, I think it's attractive because it's a more rare opportunity than becoming a head coach. Um, and you get, like you mentioned, you get to work in Southern California, you get to work with Justin Herbert, you know, Justin Herbert's through under contract through 2029. So like at minimum, this GM incoming is going to have from 2024 to 2029, in my opinion. Um, so it is objectively attractive. Um, just based on a quick Twitter search, uh, the chargers appear to not have requested Ray Agnew. Um, there, the most recent thing tying Ray Agnew to the Chargers was uh, the Detroit Lions Associated Press reporter saying that Ray Agnew was going to be a legitimate candidate for the Chargers GM job, but that has not uh, actually come to fruition in terms of mm -hmm. any request for an interview. Gotcha. It's definitely been very secretive with some gm candidates like joe hortis they were just like yeah we interviewed joe hortis yeah yeah there like, was nothing what for that. yeah <laughs> yeah so i it's very possible anything like that's you know maybe they wanted to get past this super important first playoff game win in 32 years or whatever it was game you know <laughs> yeah. and maybe take a little breather and then sure. start fielding some calls so you know we'll see because they 
there's also no request for Ben. No, there's a request for Ben Johnson. Never mind. Ignore me. But Ray Agnew, yeah, not yet. Who I, who I finally called Jamal Agnew. I made it this <laughs> far without saying Jamal Agnew, but unfortunately. Yeah. What's trippy is that Jamal Agnew used to be on the Lions, too. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, question from Tom Lewis. Does the Rooney reply to GMs? I believe it's more geared towards head coaches. That change has not become official for head coaches. I could be totally wrong there. Please correct me if I am. Um, if it is applicable, the Chargers are good. They've yes. interviewed plenty of minority candidates. Um, obviously, most of their candidates uh, that they have discussed uh, terms with are minority candidates at this point. So if it's Ian Cunningham, obviously they're good. Brandon Brown, they're good. So I don't think it applies to head coaches, though. I think gonna, I think they're gonna crush it, man. Do you like ever go the conspiracy route and just notice <laughs> that like Daniel Popper has a couple of articles about Ian Cunningham? You know, just one from the athletic and his portion, and one he did just himself today. I don't know. I, I bind the conspiracy of the Ian Cunningham, yeah. Daniel well, Popper pushing stuff. We were messaging about it because Alex Insdorf did a great conversation with Daniel Popper on our channel. If you missed that, please go check that out. Um and Popper like paused for like a legit like five seconds before talking about Ian Cunningham. So listen, Ian Cunningham's a, an, an objectively a great candidate. We can dive into you know the GM search here a little bit more, but um we both really like Ian Cunningham. We both really like Ed Dodds. To me, you, you can't go wrong either way. I think there is something to be said for the diversity of philosophy that Ian Cunningham Cunningham has come from and the flexibility that he's been around. And, you know, we discussed this on Twitter, but the Bears over the last two years have made seven draft weekend trades. That's on top of the Cole Mack, Robert Quinn, Chase Claypool, Montez Sweat. They've been very active on the trade market. And I think that's obviously something that we can't attribute 100% to Ian Cunningham. But did Todd Telesco even make seven trades on draft weekend in his entire tenure? I don't even think it was more than four off the top of my head. So, you know, flexibility is something that we've highlighted a bunch since this GM job became open. And Ian Cunningham checks that box in a massive way. And I, I, I'm objectively would be super stoked if he is the, ultimately the GM choice of hire. Yeah, I, I'd be super stoked. I mean, just the resume you can bring in. I don't know how he'll interview you know, his philosophy, his personality. Not sure. But I mean, a former trenches guy, his three mentors have been to six Super Bowls. Two of them are Ozzie Newsome and, and Howie Roseman. You, you really, there's no better background. Um, good teams, different philosophies. Bears needed to completely overhaul their unit. I think Daniel Popper's article today, you know, mentioned the Bears were one of the oldest teams in the league when they started. They're not one of the youngest teams in the league because of that yep. overhaul. What they've been able to do, yep. uh, yeah, and some good trades for them. And they're they're picking first overall. Like they worked that. This is pretty impressive. Yeah. And I think it's it's the way that the Bears have operated is probably a way that the Chargers are going to have to operate. Maybe not as extensive. Um, again, the trades have not all been wins. The Roquan Swift trade was objectively a failure. The Chase Claypool trade objectively a failure. But they've been flexible. They've they've adapted to different needs. Like Tyler mentioned, they're they're one of the youngest teams in the league right now, and they've. You know, I, I said a couple weeks ago, my goal for the GM would be to make 10 selections on draft weekend. Ian Cunningham is absolutely make, capable of making that goal a realistic possibility. So I think he's a great candidate. Ed Dodds, he's a little bit more on the actual like scouting side of things from, from my understanding. So I think he's also a great candidate, but 
we have like a visual representation of what makes Ed Dodds great in the way of like athleticism in Indianapolis. Uh, Chris Ballard had two drafts before hiring Ed Dodds as his assistant GM and has had four drafts since then. Every draft he has done with Ed Dodds, they've had an average RES above eight. Objectively, like they are one of the best drafting teams in the league. And I think a big part of that is because of Dodds. So, Tyler, let me ask you this, and then we'll kind of circle back to Harbaugh. Do you have a gut feeling about who the GM is? Are you buying into that uh, theory that it is Ian Cunningham? Or, or where are you at with your kind of take on who the GM is going to be? It's slightly okay. So half the answer is that it slightly depends on Jim Harbaugh and who he'd prefer, which can nuke any answer that I give you right now. If, if sure. he just like Ed Dodds is my guy, okay, then I that's it. Like that is the guy. But I think that objectively, Cunningham now seems to be the number two candidate across the NFL. And apparently, you know, looking at the Albert Breer article, Monday Morning Quarterback, and it point. came down to experience. There, it was basically a tie between Peters and Cunningham, but Peters had more years. And so that was the tiebreaker. Otherwise, like Cunningham beat out Hallaby for the Eagles and beat out for, is it Borgonzi? I forgot how to say it, um, from the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. And beat out the other person I can't think of, but some very, very good uh, cook from the Browns. So very, very like solid organizations. And he beat him out. And it just came down to him and Peters. Peters had more experience. So they went with Peters. But that's how highly regarded Cunningham was in a very extensive process for the, the commanders. Yeah. You go through and read all the things they did, the rounds of interviews and how much research they did, and having Spielman go and, and visit and call and do research, but without telling them who the team was. Um, they really did their work, and Cunningham was a finalist. And so I think that's got to mean something. Um, Harbaugh relationship, great backgrounds, former trench guy. Like I just feel like that fits Harbaugh as is. Maybe not specifically in terms of working together like Dodds, but I, I I do honestly think it is going to be Cunningham, if I had to pick. Yeah, yeah. I, if I, I if I had a guess right now, I think it would be Cunningham as well. I, I think he checks more boxes off for what the Chargers are looking for. I think Ed Dodds is not in the same vein as Tom Telesco, but Tom Telesco was like player evaluation was his thing. Ed Dodds, that's his thing. I think if you're looking for somebody who can wear more hats, somebody who has a more diverse background, I think that is Ian Cunningham, and I think. There could be a real possibility that they get Cunningham and Jeff King, which I would be a huge fan of. Jeff King could be your assistant GM, hundred yes, um, percent, which would be amazing. That would be an awesome outcome. And I think Ian Cunningham's background and his philosophy in that we've seen kind of come to fruition in Chicago. The, also, side note: the Bears have done a great job, like actually providing content about their GM like mm. process and everything like that. Um, they, they've done some great videos of polls and Ian Cunningham like going and scouting games in person and things like that and, and I I can just picture like Ian Cunningham and Jim Harbaugh having like a great working relationship having core philosophies being the same you know building through the trenches I think is is a fantastic idea and this is this would complete a real real culture change for the Chargers you know this is mm -hmm. A real need, you know, more physical, more trench emphasis is a, is a huge need for the Chargers going forward. And this Cunningham, Harbaugh, Jeff King, we can dive into some of the, the coordinator candidates too, but it just feels like the Chargers are headed in into the direction that we've kind of wanted to for some time and just really building that physical identity that mm -hmm. has been lacking ever since really the mid-2000s. 
Yeah, it would be beautiful. King could also obviously be the assistant GM for the Bears sure. and stay there, but sure. you go get Cunningham and King. You're fixing the trenches. You're fixing the run game. You go get Harbaugh, who's definitely going to fix that for you. Then go get Tanner Engstrand, the pass game coordinator for the Lions. Yeah, who has I didn't I I I can't believe I missed it. I, I know, realize. man. I'm so I'm disappointed in myself too. Like, yeah, it was right there. Yeah, Tanner Engstrand working with Jim Harbaugh at University of San Diego and at Michigan. Now he's the pass game coordinator for the Lions. So you get a GM, assistant GM, head coach who are all let's go trenches, let's run, let's be physical. And then you also get the pass game coordinator for the Lions. Sprinkle that in there. I mean, it's it's a good setup, <laughs> guys. It's a pretty good setup. Yeah, you can get Jesse Minter. Harbaugh has a deep bag of connections for a defensive coordinator. I'm not super concerned about the defense getting right. Um, offensive coordinator is definitely one of the questions that I would want answered today. And Tanner Engstrand is certainly, you know, a, a top-tier candidate. For what it's worth, Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero have, have both reported that Harbaugh has been working on his staff, like his potential NFL staff. I, it sounds like Sharon Moore, it, it would be his replacement at Michigan, but there are certainly some other, you know, position coaches uh, at Michigan that could follow Jim Harbaugh as well. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it's it's going to be an exciting week for the Chargers. You know, I'm really, really thrilled to see how this kind of comes together. I feel like regardless of where they do end up going, whether it's Jim Harbaugh or Ian Cunningham, I feel like they've conducted the process in a really effective and efficient manner. I feel like they have some great candidates to choose from. So it, it's going to be stressful. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of us refreshing Twitter at work and all that throughout the entire week. But I'm excited, man. I think that the Chargers are in a really good spot to uh, have a, a, a real improvement in the front office and in the coaching staff when uh, this thing all comes to an end over the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But there are maybe backup options as well. So hang in there, guys. It's not over. It's not decided till it's decided. Yeah. Final thing on Jim Harbaugh. If the Dallas Cowboys fire Mike McCarthy, do you think that complicates things for Jim Harbaugh at all? I think it has to. I don't know how much it complicates things, but I he's going to write the Cowboys can write the biggest paycheck, undoubtedly, hundred percent. You know, like and everything that would come with it. Um, I know that El Chargers fans have suggested, like, oh, Jerry Jones, like, why would he work with the Joneses, and you know that the metalig and stuff like that. Right. M- money talks. I will work with <laughs> anyone for owning half the state of Texas. Like respectfully, all yeah. the oil and, and generational wealth. That's a whole different thing than penny pinching. Not penny pinching. You know, oh, you want $12 million a year or $13 million a year? And Jerry Jones is like, how about? How about 20 Generational wealth. Yeah. <laughs> and I won't even blink. Um, so that that's very possible. I also, I know that it's it's different. But I, I'm not, I don't think it's 100% sure that the Spanos family is also super willing to, you know, let Harbaugh work. I think if they hire him, obviously that's the case. But I don't think it's as simple as like, well, the Spanos family won't mess or meddle or do anything with the coaching and whatever. But the Spano or the, the Jones family will. I, I don't think it's as black and white as that. So I yeah. think that, but I do think it does complicate things. There's a lot of money involved. That team did make the postseason. That is a very, very good roster. Will McClay did stay behind. So the the nucleus is all intact. They just need someone to take them one step further and push well yeah. further into the postseason. So it's it it is a very attractive opening, unfortunately. 
Yeah, there was a report by the 49ers athletic writer that part of the reason why Jim Harbaugh was interested in the Chargers is that it kind of reminded him of of the 49ers and in, in that like it was more of a, a building process instead of like a kind of take over the hump process. And Michigan was the same way for what it's worth. Um, you know, if he is the Cowboys coach, it's it's essentially like, hey, we kind of have everything in peace. We just kind of need that next step. And we think you're that next step which is certainly appealing. Like the Dallas Cowboys job is going to be appealing. Like I know that everybody's having their fun with the Cowboys today. Um, But if they fire Mike McCarthy, they are essentially whoever, whatever candidate they want. Ben Johnson, Mike Rabel, Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, all those guys I think would be foolish for not listening to the Dallas Cowboys. Like it's just a different kind of gig. And yes, it, you know, it comes with the Jerry Jones meddling. Yes, it comes with the Jerry Jones radio shows. But like you mentioned, it comes with the, the biggest check. Like I think, so Michigan's offer was, 12, Michigan's offer that we know of before the, the championship was 12 and a half million per year. I assume that has gone up. I assume for Harbaugh, you're probably looking at over $17 million per year. If you're the Cowboys and you're offering him 20, like I kind of joke about 25, but I could see that happening for either one. You know, Bill Belichick supposedly was making around 25 in New England. So, you know, the Cowboys have that kind of cash. They have a great roster. They have a great front office. It's an objectively attractive job. I just think it would come down to, for Jim, how much do you really want to build something versus how much do you want to just kind of, you know, take over something that's already in existence. And I think Jim is more about like carving out his own identity and Mm -hmm. building something. That's just kind of the vibe I get from him. Um, So I think Dallas is probably more in on Mike Vrabel and um, Bill Belichick, but, but I could be wrong there. I I think for Jim Harbaugh, it really is chargers or Raiders in my opinion. I agree. I'm curious how much of Jim reportedly wanting that Super Bowl would play a factor here because you could obviously do that with the chargers. That'd be great. And that's a better story. You know, the taking the chargers to that super bowl, you know, and being that coach to do that. And of course, win one, the first one, you know, I'm watching the lions and practically tearing up by how happy I am for them. I'm sure he wants a piece of that. I'm sure he's loved being a part of that for almost the 49ers and almost winning it. And then Michigan getting the national championship at the same time, if your number one goal is to win a Super Bowl, technically you'd probably prefer to be coaching the Cowboys right now, next year. If you're trying to win next year, it's yeah. probably the Cowboys, um, who just for whatever reason can't get over it. But if you feel like you're that guy, you can do it. Um, yeah, I, I think I honestly feel like they'd be the second choice—not choice, but the second contender before the Raiders, in my opinion. I just think you can throw way too much money, and that roster is way better. Yeah. Yeah, you know, outside of like Tyron Smith and Demarcus Lawrence, the the Cowboys don't really have many question marks. It, everything else is kind of intact there. So it's going to be interesting. Like I said, it, you know, if you buy into all of the smoke about Jim Harbaugh wanting the Chargers and the Chargers wanting Jim Harbaugh, that could certainly change. Uh, if Jim Harbaugh chooses to stay at Michigan, you know, we'll pivot to uh, some other ideas. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before NFL games and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about prize picks. Prize picks is a skill-based real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. Watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. Prize picks offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using prize picks so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. Um. All right, let's get into our next topic here, unless you had any other thoughts there, Tyler. Okay. So like I said, first order of business for me, for the new GM, is figuring out what you need to do with Joey Bosa and Kalila Mack. Obviously, a lot of this depends on who is hired, you know, uh, what kind of ties they have to these two, what's their motivation for sticking around, all that stuff. But we're going to lay out some arguments, some information about uh, the decision to potentially keep, cut, or trade Joey Bosa and Kalumak. Um, there's obviously a lot here. I wanted to start with recent edge trade history because I think objectively trading is kind of the more uh, valuable approach. Obviously, if you can get some assets for them, that'd be great. So I went and looked at recent uh, trades that have happened among edge rushers, um, different kind of backgrounds. Obviously, you know, Zadarius Smith is one that I, I definitely have circled here as a potential floor. For one of these two guys, um, similar age, similar issues, similar production. He was traded for two fifth round picks to the Cleveland Browns. You have Shaq Lawson, who was traded from Houston to the Jets in 2021 for a sixth round pick. Yannick Ngakwe was a player trade straight up for Rakia Sin. 
Vaughn Miller was a obviously kind of the higher end here um, of, of the players. You know, he gets a second and a third round pick. And then Khalil Mack was obviously the second pick, second rounder, and then the sixth rounder, which became two seventh rounders, and yada, yada, yada. And then this year, Chase Young uh, was a third round compensatory pick, which is essentially, you know, a, a pick 100 ish pick from the commanders to the 49ers. So this is kind of what I was able to find in terms of recent edge trade picks. So Tyler, in terms of what the chargers could get for Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack, I think that conversation is is a a little bit complicated, but what's your assessment of of the potential compensation for uh, these two players? Yeah, it's interesting because Khalil Mack is playing the best football of his career, but it's the latest into his career. You could argue in terms of, I actually think it's inarguable, his play right now is better than when it was pre-trade, when the Bears traded him. He's playing yeah. better, he's more efficient, and he's healthier. Everything is better. It's just the the age has changed, but he has improved and been so healthy. So I, I don't know if you can get that same second. And also the contract situation has changed. That was with three years you know, down the line when you're trading away Khalil Mack and they absorb that money or some of the money or whatever. With this one, it's a it's technically could be a one-year rental for Khalil Mack. You're not getting him for three years guaranteed that are already on the books for you. It's, it's just, you know, in 2024 and that's it. So I think your your max here is probably a third. Um, but I, I think he, he's significantly more valuable than Joey Bosa, in my opinion. Um, even though Joey is younger, in theory, maybe has a higher ceiling. But at this point, the, the big one right here is on the screen where he's played 485 snaps the last two seasons. That's not even half of a season that he's yeah. played the last two seasons. And it's a combination of things. And so you've got a player who couldn't finish either of the last two seasons, played, you know, well, sorry, technically he did finish the last season, but, you know, played one and a half games. He's just not healthy and he's not available and he's not consistent and he's expensive. The issue, I think, becomes also the... You don't get a lot for getting rid of Joey Bosa, honestly. The the cutting, the the amount of money you save, et cetera, which we'll get into in, in a bit. Joey to me feels like day three sort of stuff. And someone wants to take a swing, but you're really just trying to get rid of that contract. Yeah. You're trying to move on financially. And that's more of that that's the gain. With Mac, you're you're trying to get a better pick, pick in the top one hundred and acquire assets. With Joey, you're just trying to get rid of a contract. So Mac is someone I think you get that third-ish rounder maybe for. Yeah. Joey, it's day three. Whether it's one or two picks, fine, but it's on day three. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Khalil is is the more valuable trade asset, even given his age and things like that. Like he ju- he trading for a 32-year-old, you know, it, it is a risky, risky business decision. Um, but if you're a team who's just kind of like a cherry on top on defense away you know, like the Rams were with Von Miller, I think you can justify trading, you know, a third and maybe a fourth rounder, you know, the equivalent of of a third round pick essentially, um, or a third and a fifth round. I think you can justify that for Khalil Mack. Trading Joey is much more complicated. He also has another year on his contract like Tyler, you know, explained. So for me, it kind of is, it's, we'll dive into this in, in a little bit here, but it's kind of a decision like who do you want more assets for or who do you want to keep and build with? I, I 
it's a more difficult decision with Joey because of his contract, because of his injury history. But if the goal of the new GM is to get picks and get high-end picks, I think Khalil is is the first one out, and I think he could be traded. Um, yeah. We can talk later on in the offseason about some potential teams and things like that. But if you are a team who's just like that one missing piece away, like Khalil is objectively a, a great you know trade target for those teams, and I'm sure there's going to be a plenty – of other, you know, team podcasters and YouTubers and content creators who are going to make that kind of pitch to acquire Khalil Mack because he is playing at such a high level. He's on a free, he's on an expiring contract. Khalil is the easier piece to trade. I think he fetches a more uh, legitimate trade compensation package. But Joey still obviously has theoretically, you know, a couple more years left of his prime. So you have to kind of weigh those kind of considerations too. Injury history obviously plays a factor as well. Yes, they might want to gamble on Joey for one more year, which I don't think many fans are going to agree with or feel good about, but the contract, it's just tough. It's a bit tougher, and you don't gain as much by getting rid of him. In But like, you know, some people are saying in the chat, take what you can get for Bosa, and I would get that too. Um, yeah. Mac, it's tough because if you listened, I think or I read the article about the exit interviews for all these players, you read the one with Mike Williams, and he, I, I know he's what else he's supposed to say, I don't know. But he's very much so talking about next year and doing this and working together and building the offense and rehabbing and I'm ahead of schedule and I'll be back. And that could change, right? That is a significant injury and a significant contract. And we'll get to that later. But with Mac, you've, you've, I mean, he almost retired last season. Yeah. And this past year, he really talked about, hey, you don't get a lot of chances to do this. You know, you, you, I'm trying to do this for you guys and be the leader for the young guys. But, you know, not everyone's buying in. And I don't know if Mac wants to do that again. So whereas I think, I don't think they keep Mike Williams next year, but I could easily point to Williams saying, hey, I'm I'm back and I'll be here and I'll build this. And I can point to Mac saying, hey man, I want to win. And yeah. I almost retired last year because it was so rough. So I think that I genuinely think there's a possibility where both guys are gone. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll dive into a little bit here, uh, some more specifics here. But real quick, uh, the Chargers are going to theoretically interview Dan Quinn on Friday. It will be a virtual interview, according to Albert Breer. Um, I'm trying not to overreact to yesterday's performance, but I think objectively <laughs> you have to move Dan Quinn down a tier after the last few weeks, the way the Cowboys have closed the season. Um, I'm not going to issue an apology for talking about Dan Quinn in a positive manner. I still think he's a good coach, but I think it is fair to move him down a tier. And, and, you know, I think it makes sense that the Chargers would do their due diligence there, but he's, he's not uh, a super hot candidate in my opinion anymore. Yeah. Here's how the virtual interview goes. Hey, Dan, quit. <laughs> oh we lost him that's how it's gonna go that's how it's gonna go they're just gonna, <laughs> they're just gonna ghost him in the, in the middle of the interview yeah man you know those, those those texas los angeles time zones man yeah just throws you off yeah uh, anyways, uh, yeah, not super interested in Dan Quinn anymore. Um, I think he's still a good coach. We'll see what happens there. Uh, he could potentially just be, you know, going to the Seattle Seahawks and, and we'll see what happens. But Johnson's definitely down the list for me, for sure, at minimum. 
Uh, Quinn. Quinn, sorry. Quinn. Dan Quinn. Johnson is very high on my list. Dan Quinn is very much lower on my list. Yeah. Ben Johnson can't overcome the refs, though, apparently. And that's yeah. that's unfortunate. They, they can't overcome the couple of ref calls. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to the financial aspect of things here. This is the cap possibilities for Bosa and Mac. Like I mentioned, um, Khalil's situation is, is is very cut and dry. Joey's is is the difficult one. So in terms of 2024 dead money, if Joey Bosa is a pre-June 1st cut candidate or trade candidate, the Chargers take on $22.2 million in dead cap and save $14.4 million in uh, on the cap. If he is a post-June 1st cut, those numbers essentially flip. You're talking about $14.6 million uh, dead cap hit and $22 million in savings. Um, and then obviously you have the next year's contract after that. Um, you know, people will make a big deal, obviously, about pre-June 1st, post-June 1st. The Chargers, with Corey Lindsay's potential retirement, aren't as dire in a rush to make a decision on both of these players. So presumably, they could wait on Joey. I think Khalil's situation is pretty cut and dry. Um, Pre-June 1st, you take on $15.3 million of dead cap. You save $23.3 million. Post June one, it essentially does not trade. It's very minimal trade, very minimal changes there. So, Khalil, I think, is the first one you have to make a decision on because his cap situation there basically is no difference. Joey's cap situation changes quite a bit if you can wait and designate it as a post June first cut or trade. Yeah, absolutely. This is part of the reason we talked about Joey, or at least I did. I thought Joey was the second most likely to stay heading into next season because of this. I mean, the, the 2024 cap savings here is 14.4 million. Now the Chargers need it and can definitely use it. But I believe of the big four, they save the least by cutting him or trading him, I guess. So it's definitely going to be tough to move on from him because if they do, because there's not much really saved here. Again, they do need it. So I guess there's something is better than nothing. Yeah. But you get maybe a day three pick and or you say 14.4 that's not a ton so again i could see why the chargers would gamble on one more year but we'll we'll do a verdict later and see mac mac is the one you decide on mac drives your other decision only one of these guys is is staying at minimum there's no way they're keeping all uh, those two and Tuli. that'd be financially irresponsible yeah we'll talk about who next yeah all right um if you guys have questions about the cap stuff, we'll we'll certainly dive into the cap as a whole for the Chargers, you know, later on in the offseason. But the Joey Bosa's contract situation is complicated. And, you know, there is a 2025 aspect here that you have to take into consideration. It's not just as easy as cut him right now, trade him right now. It's it's a complicated situation. Injury history, play, all of this factors in, the money factors in. Um, if you have a guy like Ian Cunningham, he's shown already based off his previous history that he's willing to make these kind of tough decisions. But, mm -hmm. you know, the Joey situation is not as cut and dry. And frankly, the Kilimax situation is not as cut and dry as people make it out to be online either. Yeah, it's it's your best player, arguably, from last season. But it's also a heck of a cap situation. And who knows, like, who? what does the vision of this team look like in the interview with Jim Harbaugh today? in previous ones how many years to get the charges to contention do you think it's two is it three yeah and otherwise 
as good as Khalil Mack is, we have to build for the future and get these rookie contracts. You know, so if we're not in contention next year, and I mean, look, Khalil Mack had 88 pressures and 18 sacks or whatever, and the Chargers were five and 12. You know, so I'm not I'm not saying that's why you move on from him. Yeah. But if you feel like the team cannot make a jump to the postseason next year, and he's not on your on your books in 2025 or beyond, you got to make the move. Yeah. All right. Let's get to. Uh, I believe our verdict is next. Is is that right or no? Okay. Position needs if either or both removed. Okay. So on the roster, other than Bosa and Mac, you have Thule, who is hashtag good. Chris Rumpf, who did not finish the season. Ty Shelby, Andrew Farmer, and is did Justin Hollins get signed to a futures contract? Ooh, maybe he did. The team signed know. him. The team tweeted about his birthday today. So happy birthday, Justin Hollins. Um, <laughs> either way, we'll clarify that in a second. The Chargers draft selections ha- are obviously 5th, 37th, 69th, 101st, 103rd, 165th, 197th. Um, Tyler, if one or both of these are off the board, we assume at least one will be. How does that complicate the draft for you with that in mind that the Chargers could potentially be moving on from both of these players? So having not looked at day two and day three edge rushers, so like I, I don't know what the depth of the class is, but assume it's like a normal one. I think if you move on from one of these guys, you're looking at someone in, in round two or round three. And I think that you look at the success of what you had when you had three guys on the field last year, you go get another guy and you load him in and... If let's say you keep Khalil Mack, great. In 2025, well, it depends if you extend or not. Thule's edge one. Your other guy that you drafted in round two is your edge two. And, and that's your group. That's your young, new group moving forward. Yeah. I don't think you can go the day three Chris Rumpf route or MK Egbule route or whoever they've drafted previously. Yeah. Tyler Fackerel. Like, I, I do think if they move on from one of these guys, you got to get another one on day two. Yeah, I completely agree. If you're talking about moving on from both of these guys, I think edge in round one is a very strong possibility. Yeah. Um, maybe not at five. Maybe that comes down, comes through a trade round. But like we we've seen all of these teams, it's so hard to win in the NFL if you're not able to create consistent pressure. And you know, you walk into next season with Thule, maybe a cheap veteran, and Chris Rumpf. Like that's that's simply not going to cut it. You know, it, it's it's a situation where if you move on from both of these guys, I think it's a round one pick. And I, I know that we all want Brock Bowers and, and Malik Neighbors or Romo Dunze. But if you have if you have a roster where Thule is your edge one, I I love Thule. I think he had a great rookie season. He's not ready to be an edge one. I don't know just yet if that is his ceiling. I'm I'm still kind of hovering around him being best case scenario a high-end edge two so if that's the case you have to take one in the first round whether that's trading down for liatulatu or jared verse there's an argument that those guys also don't have the scene of of a high-end one so it's again there's a lot of ramifications here but you move on from one i think first three rounds you have to take an edge rusher and this is because this becomes a a conversation about trading down because you need all these picks you have all of these positional needs but it's it's part of the gig for the new, the new Chargers GM. You got to decide what to do with Khalil and Joey, and you've got to decide what choices you can live with. Can you live with maybe a corner on day three instead of round two or round one? And because you need a pass rusher, can you live with 
a bad pass rush. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's a tough decision either way. Can you live with, you know, Keenan and and Quentin and Palmer, and take an edge rusher? Like it 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 becomes like a really like legitimate thing. And I know that everybody wants to have this decision made right now. And and I love Brock Bowers. I love Malik Neighbors, but you know, we have to take into consideration that this pass rush could be essentially cleaned out uh, by March 1st. I'm curious if very different because they've already given a first round pick to Quentin Johnston, but I'm curious if they look at the chiefs this past year where the discussion is, it's just better to have a good defense and elevate the offense as much as humanly possible. When you have a quarterback, that's your quarterback versus, you know, investing more in the defense to try to make it, you know, as great as possible and hope the offense can figure it out because of the system. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think edge in, in round two or three will will be the play. The other option, I guess, is that they could go with like a Johnny Newton if they trade back in the first sure. round. Um, and so you still find a way to get your first round pick, a ton of snaps, very involved for the future. You still improve your pass rush, but you don't have to burn it on an edge rusher if you don't love the class that's right there. Yeah, I think that's a possibility too. I mean, if Jesse Minter is the defensive coordinator, I think that tree meaning minter mcdonald the ravens they've kind of shown that they're okay with platooning the edge room and having higher end into your defensive line play so in this instance you could take johnny newton in the first round and sign a cheap veteran draft another edge rusher on day two or day three and platoon that position group led by Thule but you have strong interior pass rushers to kind of overcompensate that. That is something that has kind of worked in this tree that the Chargers are could potentially be choosing from if they do hire Jesse Minter or somebody else from the Ravens. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to get to our final verdict? Yes. So verdict wise, um, I think the Chargers, as much as it pains me to say, should look seriously into trading Khalil Mack. I think they need, the assets. I think they need the cap relief. And to me, that is an easier conversation to have with teams than Joey Bosa's background. I think, unfortunately, Khalil will also want to go to a contender. Maybe he buys into the Chargers being a contender. I just think that from a roster building standpoint, trading Khalil gives you the biggest potential return. And it's the easiest potential cap savings. Unfortunately, as much as I want him to stick around, I think the financial side of things, roster building side of things, is that they should trade Khalil Mack, unfortunately. And so does that mean they're also keeping Joey Bosa in this instance? I don't know, man. I I think with Joey, you wait it out. I think Khalil is your first domino. If Joey indicates that he wants to go elsewhere, I think you wait to figure out if you can do a post-tune one because I think if you are cutting or trading him with that pre-June 1st designation, I think you're making a mistake. I think for him it has to be post-June 1st. Otherwise, it's really not worth it. And I know the injury history is there. But it has to be worth it. It has to net you some value. And I don't know really what Joey's value potential return is or the savings. It's just not worth it to me. I think you have to wait to see if you can designate that as a post-June one. 
So, so I'm sorry. So you are designated him as a post June one cut. If you're if you're moving off of Joey, it is a post June one cut to me. I mm-hmm. I think trading him is too complicated, and I think I, I think there's too much injury risk. I think there's too much of a financial background. I think trading Joey is probably not on the table for other teams. Mm. I, I wouldn't blame them. You know, I think we find that the, the players we quote unquote really most want to trade are the ones that are actually least desirable to other teams yeah. because of injuries, because of cap uncertainty, etc. I'm also very curious in this whole calculus where Giff Smith ends up. Yeah. Giff Smith is gone because a new coach brings you know everybody else in, and I would understand why. I think that does signal that they're ready to move on, definitely from Joey and certainly from. Khalil as well, who's gotten close to GIF. To me, I think the verdict for me, honestly, is that very different from the JC situation in terms of why, but you get whatever you can or just cut and get rid of Joey Bosa's contract. I wish him the best, truly outstanding player when he was healthy, but 480 snaps the last two years is not enough. I think you have to move on from Joey in any capacity, for sure. Khalil's the tough one. And this is the toughest one because you are truly, let's say, I don't think this is the case, but let's say a contender contender goes, I absolutely need Joey Bosa and I'm willing to give you a second rounder in this draft or the next draft or whatever to do it. It's really, really tough to pass up. Not because Khalil Mack this year will out and in the year of that rookie will outperform that player. Undoubtedly, I think especially based on his current trajectory where he's just killing it as someone who's played like an all pro, but it's really, really enticing to have that extra pick for a draft for a GM. And let's say, let's say it's Cunningham and Harbaugh. Do you want to give them that second round pick? I would actually kind of trust that group with that pick to make the right decision. You tell me it's a third round pick in Telesco and I'm going, you give Mac (laughs) a 10 year deal, (laughs) but it's different when you feel like you trust the coach and the GM to really do their job and get the right pick with that said i think you keep khalil mack honestly i i do think i think you keep khalil mack and i'm not surprised if it's an extension which is the only thing we haven't talked about yet it is a supreme risk of course but i don't know what the contract situation office is going to look like does ed mcguire stick around i have no idea but i think that i i actually think that what happens is they move on from joey and Mac is rewarded with even just a one-year extension, which clears up a lot of you for you in 2024. And then in 2025, we've got a whole same conversation all over again. Yeah. But I think you keep Mac until you – I think you keep one of these guys, so I think it's Mac, until you learn more about Thule. I think that is my opinion as well. I, I agree with you. I think a new GM comes in and looks at Khalil Mack as the most valuable trade asset, and I think that's the that's the – the reasoning behind it. Absolutely. I want, I want Khalil to stick around. I hope he does. Like you mentioned, I, I'm not comfortable enough with Thule as an edge one at this point. I, I love what he did as a rookie, but uh, you know, the back half of the season, he really kind of not fell off cause he was still producing, but he was not sure as efficient and effective during the first half of the season. So I think you should keep Khalil. I think that's more of a decision in my opinion. I think Joey is is done. I, I don't think Joey is back with the Chargers. I think it's more of a trying to figure out if he's a pre-June 1st cut or a post-June 1st cut. 
because like I said, I just, I have a really hard time picturing them getting anything of value for Joey via trade. Like is trading a six round pick and, and not really getting a ton of cap benefit really worth it for the chargers. I I just don't know. So I think the verdict in my opinion is that Khalil should stay and Joey probably goes. But I think like you mentioned earlier, I think it is a real possibility that the new GM comes in here and says, Hey, you know what? Let's just rip the bandaid off and let's move on for both these players. Joey via cut, Khalil via trade, mm-hmm. and have a clean slate in 2025. Yeah. It, it really depends on how these teams, the coaches, the GMs feel about the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're again, if, and I don't I don't know if the Chargers are a contender next year, not a contender, but can make the playoffs next year. I really don't. And if your goal is to to gut this thing, start over like Cunningham and Poles did in Chicago and to revamp things and to get new bodies in there and Eckler's gone and you know Mike is gone and Joey's gone and let's say Everett's gone and they cut Kendricks and you're, you're trying to do so much overhaul and change. Yeah, I would get why Mac is part of that and it, has, it really has nothing to do what well, doesn't doesn't have anything to do with Max play on the field. It does because you can get the most value for him, but it doesn't because you are genuinely knowing that you're trading away a very good, valuable player. But that's also kind of the point. Yeah, it's a. I don't envy the new GM coming in and looking at these two contracts because, you know, I, I, it pass rush is so important, but at the same time, like they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to make some real tough choices here. Even with JC already gone, Corey retiring, Sebastian Joseph mm-hmm. take cut. They still got to make some tough choices. Um, I my gut feeling right now is that Joey is Joey is done with the Chargers, and Khalil's more of a 50-50 call. But I, like I said, I think you could get a third and a fourth rounder for for Khalil, and I think that for a new GM it would be pretty enticing. Yeah, I mean let's let's throw this let's just throw this scenario out. What did you want, Khalil Mack for next year, or let's say Jackson Powers Johnson for the next four years as a second round pick, third round pick, or whatever? What are you going for? Not one, but there's so much uncertainty either way you go, right? But let's pretend that's the scenario. Or or yeah. I don't know, who whoever round or two receiver that you want this year, or maybe round three. Do you want them for four years or Kalumak for one? Yeah, that's that's tough. what you're weighing here. Yeah. You mentioned the extension. They they could do a soft extension and put like a void year on it and free up some cap space, but I I kind of tend to think that. If Khalil stays, it would just be play out the existing contract and don't really add anything future to it. Yeah, I, I could see that too. And I would understand why. Although there's there's much less on the books in 2025. So Yeah, that is very true. All right. Seems like the chat is very united on what they would do. So I don't need to, to address that. And I totally get it. But um my gut feeling is that joey unfortunately is has played his last down with the chargers yeah i agree i agree it's it's weird man i was thinking about this the other day joey potentially gone mike potentially gone austin eckler gone michael davis gone you know Corey lindsley like there's a lot of key guys who have been you know huge figures in, among the chargers for over the last five, six, seven years that are not going to be on this team next year. It's it's a little mm-hmm. weird to think about because I'm also like excited about the new era and everything like that. But at the same time, I'm like, man, like, you know, it's just weird. I have Mike's jersey over here. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little weird, man, thinking about 
yeah. the changes that are going on uh, or will go on with the Chargers. It's part of the territory of asking for change. You ask for change, you're going to get change. And it's not always yeah. who you want to keep or change or whatever. It would be, uh, I mean, it, Keenan Allen would be the last player on the Chargers from the San Diego Chargers yep. who has been a Charger. Of course, you could, you know, Denzel Perryman's still in the league. Jason Verrett, God bless his soul, <laughs> is still in the league. Oh. Obviously, obviously, Atauchu is still in the league as of last year, at least. Yeah. So there are there are San Diego Chargers in the NFL, but there's only one still left on the Chargers, and that's Keenan Allen. I'm sorry, two. But if you move on from Joey, yeah, you'd be down to just the one, and that would that's good. That's going to be a tougher one, but that's another conversation for another episode. Yeah. So, uh, like Tyler just teased, we're going to have the same conversation about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, we'll do some other similar conversations about keeping free agents, things like that. Um, you know, we we want to specifically feature these two specifically feature Keenan and Mike, because those are obviously the big four contracts that the chargers have to, uh, figure out. So, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, if you missed it, we can, you can go back and rewatch all the stuff about Jim Harbaugh and the GM search. Um, cause it's a lot, a lot of exciting stuff going on. So appreciate you guys for tuning in today. Hopefully you enjoy your day off. Um, we'll be, Next on the Chargers channel on Wednesday with a special guest interview on there. And then we'll be back live here on Thursday evening. So that's that's kind of the schedule for this week. Um, and uh, we hope to see you soon. As always, thanks for tuning in and bolt up.